Welcome to Cinema Bushido, badass movie talk about badass movies. I'm your host, Matthew Whitaker, and with me as always is my homie from another brony, Mr. V. Lee Van Cleef. How you doing, Lee? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Good. Um, we have a special guest today. One I've tried to have on for a while now. Uh, we were going to do Seven Samurai, and we couldn't get our scheduling straight. Uh, but I'm very happy to have him in here to do Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Uh, Steven, a.k.a. Attack on Movies. Uh, you're on, what, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, same name? Well, how's it going, Steven? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Good. So, uh... Ghost Dog is easily one of my favorite films. Uh, I'll just start out saying that, and uh, re-watching it again and again, I never feel like uh, it loses anything. Even with the passage of time, what, 99 it came out to 2016, it felt as great to watch it again for this podcast as it always has in the past. Uh, it's a modern-day urban samurai fighting against time and change to the backdrop of the RZA, and he's just the coolest guy. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, headed up by maybe my favorite actor of all time, the person who uh, shares my last name, Mr. Forrest Whitaker. Um, let's start out with Stephen. What are your thoughts on Ghost Dog? Yeah, um, I really liked it. Uh, I, I saw it when it came out, but I haven't seen it since. So I watched it a couple of times, um, actually today. Um, and I, I really liked the way it took the samurai genre and brought it um, into more or less uh, the modern day. Um I thought Forrest Whitaker was great. Um, I, I, again, the soundtrack was great. I liked the way you know it blended the, the kind of contemporary music and that kind of traditional um, Japanese music. And I liked the way that it blended genre. It's a samurai movie, but it's also a mob movie. Um, and by the end, it's almost a Western. So um, I, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Awesome. And... Uh, I I read something that uh, that Jim Jarmusch actually um, put this together with Forrest Whitaker in mind, and he kind of put the whole theme and everything, and he brought it to him, and he wasn't even going to make the movie if uh, if Forrest Whitaker would have said, "Nah, it's not my jam." Yeah, yeah, that, I can understand that. It's it's uh, it's hard once you've seen it. It's hard to imagine anyone else doing it, right? Uh, because Forrest Whitaker's got that great sort of hangdog face and one eye's kind of different to the other eye, and he always looks kind of sad and focused and it, it you know, it's just absolutely perfect, um, perfect for the part that he's playing. So I can completely understand that. Yeah. And you notice um, there are a lot of references to the bear in, in this. We'll talk more about that, but he does lumber like a bear when he's walking down the street and he's invisible to everyone around him. He still isn't, he's never going fast. He's just, he's a big force that just sort of moves at like a bear's pace around people. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true, and they, they compare him to a number of animals, don't they? Because there's there's the sort of bird flying overhead all the way through the film, and I, I you know, I felt like he was, uh, you know, like that bird. You know, he's kind of looking, you know, uh, he, he's kind of distanced from everything, so he's he sees everything that's around him, but he's sort of above it, and his way, his way of being a samurai allows him to do that, and obviously there's the dog that's always staring at him, and then yeah, he's he's like a He's like a bear, um, you know, a, a creature that's almost extinct. Yeah. You know, just kind of lumbering through. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I would go along with that. Awesome. And the dog, of course. Hilarious. Well, hold yeah. on one second. Um, I believe Lee's having some trouble, um, but he will be. I just, I just got back. Yeah, I just oh, got back. Sweet, sweet. I missed everything you said, but I got back. That's okay. Um, in summary, we've talked about um, the kind of animal references to Ghost oh, Dog. Yeah. 
bear and um steven pointed out um the awesome the bird that you always see kind of flying around and it is like that like he can kind of see the world around differently well, you know you know what I, you know what i was going to say um if if you look at it um all the animal references and stuff if mm-hmm. you look at louis is in essence a stool pigeon because he right. eventually has to give up uh uh, ghost dog's information mm-hmm. and at the same time ghost dog is actually a pigeon in the sense that it's synonymous with a fall guy or a patsy so even though the hit's been uh arranged they still have to kill him to make it look like they didn't arrange the hit yeah, yeah. that was that was a weird thing but anyway lee it's actually your turn uh, give me the rundown uh ghost dog is a great movie uh jim jarmusch does a good job uh i would as in my damashekian way I like to go into the reckless speculation. I think he borrowed a lot of uh, a lot of influence from the professional, and uh, and then you know right in the beginning when I hear Wu Tang Clan, I, I giggle because I haven't heard like Wu Tang Clan in like you know twenty years. And uh, for all you kids out there, that's the music that mommies and daddies used to listen to, <laughs> and. Um, is, and, and so it's like a mix between the professional and the Wu Tang Clan, and this like there was a scene in the '90s on the Eastern Seaboard where uh, black culture met with like Oriental culture, and, and there was like a an actual like melding of that, and that's where you get things like the Wu Tang Clan. And uh, so it was kind of like it was just a fun movie with a lot of with the ability to alter tone in a way that I haven't seen in a long time. I mean. There's levity and, and tension in the same 90 seconds, but it's done beautifully. I mean, it's, it's a movie of mastery, from, and, and it's so detail-oriented in the nature of how he shoots every scene and in the area around you. And it's, there's just a, a, an air of believability uh, about the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but interesting that you brought up Leon, um, the professional, uh, and you know that goes to back to uh, what was the movie, the French movie before that, um, Luc Besson as well. Um, oh, La Femme Nikita. Yes, thank you, La Femme Nikita. It's this this same exact trope that goes all the way back to watching the old samurai movies, uh, kung fu, you name it. The the lone warrior slash assassin uh, that's fully in control of his world in some way or another. You know, I love Zatoichi, and that's one of those early examples. But you can go back and watch a lot of these. It's just this independent force that has to deal with these things around him. Um, and that, I, I always love that. That is, like, one of my favorite. I'll just keep watching it. Like the Japanese and their Zatoichi fetish, I'm, I'm in with it. I'm going to keep... There are 26 of those <laughs> movies. They never got sick of the wow. same thing happening each time of somebody trying to take advantage of this force that they think is kind of not as awesome as he is, and then, of course, he comes up and kills everybody. <laughs> All right, um, so in my notes, uh, I'll pause for a second here. Oh, something I never noticed about this film when I watched it in the past, and I, I just caught it this time, and I may have noticed, but maybe it didn't mean as much to me um, watching it this time it did, but um, on his way out his first night, he goes and steals the car, he takes a bow to the city, and I always thought that was cool. Um, you know, his respect for his city and, and the way he's such an integral part of it. Um, but also, he, I always thought of him as that standalone guy. Like, I, you don't normally think about how do people become this lone force. 
but uh, he's lost people. There's that picture in his house, and uh, there's a point where he goes to the cemetery to say farewell because he kind of knows he's off to his potential demise. I thought that was really cool. I'd never noticed that, but it kind of humanized him more than just uh, the flashback of him getting beaten and Louis saving his ass. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 true. Actually, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. I'd noticed that scene where he sort of blows a kiss to the to the uh, the cemetery, but I hadn't kind of linked that in as as well as you have. So that's that, that's really intelligent. But I also think of him. The, the film I kept thinking of was Taxi Driver. Um, because when he's driving around in his, his stolen car, whichever car he's stolen, he's kind of looking around at all the, you know, the scum and detritus, you know, around him. Um, but he doesn't sort of feel obliged to do anything about it. Um, whereas, you know, Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver basically looks at these people who wants to kill them. Um, and I, I really like that because, and, and the, the reason he's able to do that is because of the, the way of the samurai. You know, he is completely focused at all times on his goal and he isn't distracted by anything around him so he sort of sees all of these awful things but he doesn't feel the need to you know to act on it he's purely about that goal you know he's purely focused on whatever his next mission is and i that's that's something that i really liked about yeah, the, film. the the anti-daredevil where um daredevil has to help every single oh wait that person stubbed their toe. Run over. Are you okay? I can't see you, but I think you hurt your foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's he's completely the anti daredevil. He's he's just got one goal in mind, and that's the thing that keeps him sort of you know completely sane. He's he's got this boss. He's the retainer of this gangster, and he has really no morality. He just does the thing that he's told to do without thinking about anything else at all. Yeah. Um. And and because of that, he's a very you know a very tranquil controlled sane person because he has no concerns whatsoever wants nothing whatsoever he does what he's told he focuses on that and then you know waits for the next mission and that's that's something i found you know really interesting it was a really interesting uh, take on on the genre you know the genre or the the melding of the, the genres yeah uh, yeah, I, uh, I, com- I, you know, I actually saw both those scenes. I didn't know he was bowing to his city. That was interesting. I didn't realize that. And uh, to speak to your point, uh, Stephen, yeah, I agree completely that uh, that you know the whole. It's interesting because I bought that book that that they're reading from when you told me we were going to do the the movie thing and it was going to be called Cinema Bushida. I got all excited, you know. The Hagakura. <laughs> and uh, and to if it takes a certain kind of cerebral talent to be able to make a movie and yeah. make it off of the parables in the in the book, yeah. and the parables that they reference are always saying the same thing. It's always about your mortality, embracing inevitability, and dedication. And in 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 summary, it's 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 a it's he's in the profession of arms as, as all samurai were, and the whole point is to do your best to shuffle off this mortal coil. To borrow uh, a phrase from another British uh, person that we all look up to, <laughs> and, uh, and as as for that flashback scene, I wanted to say that you know, to me, that's where he gets ghost dog, right? Like that's where whoever he was before that scene, that that day with Louis died that day. Whoever that person was, did no longer existed from that point on, and and thus became ghost dog. Mm. Yeah. 
maybe so. I, there's something to that the girl, whether it was a, a wife or a sister or something like that, that's um, driven him as well. I will say, I, I you're right. Um, the way of the samurai is uh, stoic um, um, demeanor until they come and kill his pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> and then he kind of loses his shit. Yeah, then he loses his shit. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. sitting there looking at that one, the the beautiful white one with the pool of blood around it, and it was just yeah. like, okay, now I'm going to kill everyone. So yeah, yeah. Nobody shits all over me other than my pigeons. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, I've always felt that, like watching this movie, I've always felt kind of dirty myself up on his roof watching him. I'm like, God darn it, all those pigeons and the feathers and the poop everywhere, and he's up there just having a good old time, Riza sword fighting. <laughs> And now it's been ruined. They've killed all the pigeons. So, yeah, yeah, the atmosphere's not the same up there. Well, Jim Jarmusch, he, he's brilliant because he's 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 using every trick in the book, right? Like, so the I mean, there's the, the gratuitous use of animal death in this movie is like, you know, I mean, we we're primates with over enlarged uh, 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 adrenal glands, but I mean, at the same time, despite our capacity for a severe aggression, like we have like. Apes in particular have the ability to to love other species, and you know it's like I don't know about you guys, but like I, I would have it, it would be much harder for me to kill an animal, you know. Right. It's like, and so to see that it's like it's wounding, you know. You're like, oh, you just you just want to like eat this this lazy dumb dago fat fuck just killed a bird, and you're just like, yeah, dude, get him, you fucking Cayuga motherfucker, whole yeah. smash. And you just you get pissed because you're like, quit killing these birds. Totally. And, and he's using the animals, and he's just he's playing at your heartstrings. He's so clever. He's such a clever yeah. fuck. Well, because there's that scene, isn't there, where they they they're looking for anyone who might be ghost dog, and they're just killing people on roofs with pigeons. <laughs> and there's that big Indian guy, and they 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 don't shoot him, but they they blow his little pigeon to smithereens. And it, you know, I thought that it's kind of funny, but it's it's sad. And I suppose that speaks to the point that you're making. Um, but the, the thing I wanted to say is, you know, it's also about extinction. The, the film is about extinction. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, so he kills the... I'm, I'm jumping ahead now, but he kills those guys who killed a bear. And they say, you know, well, there, there aren't many of these bears around anymore. And so he says, well, that's why you killed them then, is it? And then he, he shoots them. And that's, I think, because he... One, he identifies with a bear, but two, he knows that he is as a sort of samurai, as a modern-day samurai, he's going extinct. And there's a link to um, the, the the guys in the mafia because their way of life is also becoming extinct. Um, and that's why there's this kind of link between Ghost Dog and the mafia. Um, their, their, their ways, their codes are very, very different. Um, but they are also, you know, an ancient culture that are now kind of fading away, like they can't pay the rent you know that kind of stuff that's thrown in there so i think that's another maybe another link as Absolutely. well yeah that was really hilarious too i loved uh, just the 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 so sad how sad they'd become you know everything about them they're all old as hell there's for sale signs up in front of every house all of yeah. that i thought it was very clever the rapper names to the indian names to the yeah. gangster names that uh, as that had to be your thing right Lee? I wrote the backroom scene was my favorite scene in the movie. Same here. That's hilarious. That's I, I am not one to shy away from racial epithets, and I think that uh, Jim Jarmusch and Quentin Tarantino, I like the fact that they're not afraid to 
to to paint people how they really were and right. how they, re- you know, I mean, like, really, did, do you really think that Italians really thought highly of blacks? No, they not one bit. I mean, we know that for a fact. I, I mean, I, I, it's it's so funny because I finally, you know, I've been reading a book about the race uh, riots that happened in New York um, after the Emancipation of Proclamation. And I had no idea that this had happened. And essentially, like, there were never riots about the Civil War prior to the announcement. And then after the announcement, like, all these poor black people were, like, straight murdered and, like, killed. And buildings were burned down because they were like, wait a minute, you're drafting us into war to... And to save black people, and they were like, and it was like, it was just straight insane. And it was like such a dark and dreary book that I've been reading. It's like really terribly sad and depressing, and probably aiding my ability to drink lately. And then I finally see a book where somebody, where it's actually positive, you know, an uplift. I see a movie that's finally like, hey, you know, you know, we're not all just like, just because somebody hates on you doesn't mean they can stop you, you know. And you read about all these powerless people from back in this time that they don't ever talk about in the history books. And I was just like, man, I was so glad to see Ghost Dog go in there and just destroy all these racist fucks. Yeah, there's a deleted scene um, where they have a, a homosexual um, accountant come in to help them make sense of their... Um their financial problems right and they establish there that the daughter has like this huge trust and you know he's there to try to help him fix stuff and they admit that they're like they have like a trash recycling company and the guy's like well we don't we don't actually separate the stuff anyway we just shove it all in the same landfill and you know it, they, they're just nasty people and they're going that then of course there's tons of um of um anti homosexual comments throughout that whole thing you know what kind of car he drives and all this stuff so they really hit that home the mafia are a bunch of dirty racists yeah do do you think um they they left that out because it was that it was going too far you know or do you you think it would have been a a weaker movie it would have affected the structure of the film and that's why they left it out that's a good question it might have been too like they were trying just too repetitive right like we've established it here do we really need to? It did leave out some important information, but maybe that stuff didn't matter. We know that she, in the end, was now the boss, and maybe as a young person, she had the power to bring back their, you know, culture to bring their organization back to life. I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Well, they uh, they do establish that you know Vargo is basically channeling everything to her, and he's the boss. And then they, I mean, also the runtime is an hour and fifty one minutes. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean. Things got to go on the cutting floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, one thing um, in my notes, I just love to talk about it because I think that their relationship is uh, so sweet. But um, Raymond and Ghost Dog, aka the Ice Cream Man. Yeah, that's that's absolutely hilarious. That they're that they neither one of them has the faintest idea what the other one's saying, but they're on completely the same wavelength. Yeah, that's, uh, it's it's just very very funny and very sweet. Um, and actually, one of the one of the best parts of the film. I agree. I, uh, I I made a note in my uh, in my notes there that the park scene in, when he's eating the ice cream cone on the bench uh, is it should be enter the kindred spirits because that's where you get the dog, the girl, <laughs> and Raymond all in one sequence. So these are people that, despite age difference and language barrier and species barrier you know uh that ghost has a like an unspoken bond with 
Oh, that's that's a brilliant take on it. Yeah, I was I was kind of wondering what the significance of that scene was actually, and you've just answered my question. So that that's fantastic. Um, I I'd like to thank whiskey. I can't take any of it. <laughs> yeah, I think beer is holding me back. But uh, anyway, well, uh, that I, that actor, um, I may have his name messed up because uh, it's it's string, but I believe it's Isaac de Bencol. But uh, he's from, yeah, it may be close. He's from uh, Abidjan, um, the Ivory Coast. I first saw him in Jim Jarmusch's uh, um, Night on Earth, which was right. that taxi cab movie. And he, he was really just pathetic. And then, of course, in Ghost Dog. And then they, um, Jim Jarmusch made another Hitman movie and actually let him uh, be the leading man. I, I saw it, and I remember thinking it was all right, but it didn't have nearly the impact for me that Ghost Dog did. Is that Limits of Control? You got it. Yeah, I've not seen that. I was tempted, but I haven't actually sat through that one. W- would you recommend it? Or? You know, uh, I think as a completist, uh, I think I'll watch everything that Jim Jarmusch makes. So, um, you know, as it goes, I'd say it's worthwhile. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not one of those people that was like a huge fan of Dead Man either. And that is maybe yeah. debatably one of his most famous movies. I sort of struggled through that yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. So. Hmm. For me, bro- broken uh, going off tan- on tangent. I think love broken flowers. That was probably my favorite. And so the, the Bill Murray factor nearly made me watch Limits of Control, but I never never managed it. He makes everything better. He does make everything better. You're right. <laughs> baby steps, guys. Baby steps. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. What about Bob? <laughs> That's an awesome film. Oh yeah, very good. All right. Um, how about uh, favorite scenes? Uh, I'll start with you, Stephen. Actually, we we I've sort of already said it. It, it is the the scene in their sort of rumpus room um, where Louis is called in to basically uh, give up Ghost Dog, and he's trying to explain. Well, one, it's a very tense scene, and it's what you were saying about sort of tension mixed with levity. It starts off very tense because they're obviously intimidating him, and he's sort of you know, got a quivering cigarette in his hands. Um, but then when he starts try- explaining who Ghost Dog is, there's sort of looks of <laughs> inc- absolute incredulity. And then they're like, hang on a minute, we'll, we'll skip that part. Okay, m- move forward. And then when we get to the, you know, there's a bird and all that kind of stuff. And, and then um, the underboss, Sonny Valerio, starts saying about his name, you know, Ghost Dog, it's actually like a rapper's name. And then he says his favorite rapper is sort of Flavor Flav, and he starts rapping. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely hysterical. And then, and then the the, uh, the boss, um, Ray Vargo, then starts talking about Indian names, and I think he says sort of like it's a bit like Black Elk, and then makes this ridiculous sort of mooing sound. <laughs> uh, and then, and then the the uh, I, th- I looked up on the credits; he's listed as the old conciliary. Suddenly, sort of screams out, you know. Uh, Passenger pigeons have been dead since 1914, <laughs> something like that, and I, I thought that was absolutely hysterical. And then, and then it links to that sort of scene near the end where where a Sonny Valerio is is shot dead, and he's just kind of rapping in his bathroom. I, I, I absolutely love that. I love that kind of strange, off kilter, deadpan humor, which somehow fits into this um, kind of gritty, um, fairly low key film. So. I think we're, we're probably going to end up saying the same thing, but that was definitely my favorite scene. 
All right. Well, before I go to Lee, um, we had talked about this earlier, Stephen and Lee. I don't think you joined yet, but I wanted to point it out. One thing that bothered me about Ghost Dog from the first viewing was the assassination of uh, I can't even think of his name, but the the bat the sink the sink assassination. Yeah, that's Sunny. Yeah, Sunny. Thank you. Um, I, it always bothered the heck out of me that anyone would believe that a sink worked that way, that somehow you could get in somebody's basement, undo a pipe, and get a direct line of sight into a guy, uh, you know, brushing his teeth while rapping. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thought it was a little lazy, or, or I didn't know. But what I found out in doing research for what's coming up is our top six, that was actually a homage to another movie. It was uh, Saijun Suzuki's branded to kill from 1967 so i haven't seen it yet i want to see it and i'll figure out i'm sure if we take this and we put it in the context of ancient japan it makes perfect sense that somebody could get under someone's house and point a sword up through a drain and stab somebody in the eye or something like that yeah no i was gonna say uh i I guess they're just uh, hoping that no plumbers watched watched the film because they they would have been infuriated uh yeah i've seen (laughs) Yeah, I I was like, well, why is the garage open? And then I was like, well, plumbing doesn't work like that. You have this thing called a J-pipe underneath here. So, uh, but, I mean, I kind of forgave them because just before that, he puts tape on the wind. He cuts the cable, puts tape on the window, and straight takes that guy out with shout shattering the window. I was like, that? I I mean, I literally had an orgasm at that point. (laughs) (laughs) You found it and watched, watched it again after that? I've watched it multiple times with a uh, a giant thing of Hawaiian Tropic and some extra soft tissue. Yeah, multiple times, multiple orgasms. Yeah, yeah you know, I uh, I feel like every time I touch myself, an angel loses its wings. So I'm, I'm doing my best to you know to win that war, clearing yeah. out heaven. Yeah, yeah. I gotta make I gotta make room for all the whores, you know. One orgasm at a time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, but I, you know, I'm doing my part. You know, I. Uh, I, I was going to say my favorite scene. I mean, I wanted to go back to the the scene that Stephen was referencing because I I wanted to say one of the things that I thought was the most brilliant pieces of that scene. I mean, there's a lot of like outlandish, hilarious parts of it, but it's yeah. the, but in it in like Italian mobster lore, it's a language of subtlety, right? And and um, there's two things that crack me up about that scene was. One who he's like, well, I had to sort some things out. And then they flash back to him basically intervening on this poor kid with a Japanese shirt, <laughs> chubby black kid with a Japanese shirt, and saving his life from for what no God knows what reason, you know. But he's that's his neighborhood. He owns it. But he just says he's got to straighten some things out. He doesn't go into detail. He doesn't, you know, it's like a dog is a dog. You know, he's just like, I just got to straighten this out. I just got to straighten this out. And so he like he doesn't ever tell you anything, and he says everything with I just had to straighten something, straighten something out. And then uh, when they asked him, well, did you write him a message? Did he send you a message? He said yes. And did you write him a message back? He looks down to the right. And if, you, uh, if, you, if you've done any kind of like uh, interrogating or anything like that, when somebody looks to the, down and to the right, they're lying to you. And he says, no, of course not. Of course not. I thought you know, he protects his retainer. So at that point, they have established that even though Louis lives by a code – that is different from Ghost Dog's. His loyalty to Ghost Dog is on par with his loyalty to the mob, all the way up until the end. And he, I mean, and I, I, I wanted to say my fa- my favorite scene, my second favorite scenes were two. Uh, it would be when Vinny shoots the cop. That, that's hilarious. I love how she's like, she's like, she's like, goes over to inspect him, and he just like just blows her away. 
It's just like, yes, that was so delicious. And then, and then he's like, you just shot abroad. He's like, they want to be equal. I made her equal. And then uh, the, the other scene that I really liked was to get back to Stephen's point earlier. Um, in the 14th passage, the parable is referencing the old and the new. And you see um, Ghost Dog, he walks by a man who is wearing like gold and he's wearing BDUs. Um, and he's a gangster, right? He's like, he's the new, he's, he's the new man. He's the new, uh, uh, profession of arms on the streets and, and ghost dog who is respected by all the gangsters in the movie as they're like the new soldiers of the streets. And he is the old ways. And that, that passage, that 14th parable encapsulates that scene. It gives you, it gives you the premonition before that scene that, this is that the old will fade away, and you can only you can only take what's great from the old, but you can't take everything that's great from the old, and that the new will come and replace it. And then you see them both walk up to each other, acknowledge each other, say some words of wisdom, and then walk away. And I was like, that that is brilliant. I have two things for you. So in the I have to take care of some stuff. The young ghost dog is actually Forrest Whitaker's uh, real life brother, Damon uh, Whitaker. The the other. Um, Samurai, as we'll call him, is actually a cameo from uh, RZA, Wu Tang Clan. Okay, Thug Life. Yeah, Thug Life. But yeah, I think he was very happy to have his cameo. In fact, I, I read some stuff right at the time that it was released that he was very excited to be in the movie. So <laughs> that that like four second scene, you know, meant something to him, which I think is great. I, I love his work, love it. I've always been a huge fan as well of the of the Wu Tang Clan. They they've always. Uh, balanced comedy uh in a in a good way with uh with you know fun rap it's not all you know bitches and drugs which gets a little tedious all right well my favorite we talked about it already but i'm gonna throw it out there it is um it's the bear scene it's uh first off anything where a couple um racist hillbillies get killed for doing something bad and down with it but it's more what it meant right like he pulls up and he sees what's happening and it's you know he says wow that's a big bear and yeah, he's like probably 300 pounds or something like that. And Stephen said it earlier; it was just a brilliant exchange of, uh, and like, aren't you poaching? And they said, are you are you a ranger? Or, you know, are you here to check this? Are you a fed or something? He says, no, no, I'm just asking. He says, well, there aren't that many left. He's like, so you're killing it because there aren't that many left? Like, and he said, well, there aren't a lot of big black dudes around either. So you might get back in your car and get out of here. And you just knew it was going to happen, right? He's like, oh, okay. And then of course the line. In ancient cultures, bears were considered equal with men. The guy says, This ain't no ancient culture, man. Something like that. <laughs> he says, Sometimes it is. And kills them all and gets back in his car and drives away. I don't know. That encapsulated the, the whole thing. Uh, people destroying rare things, uh, ancient cultures. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very dramatic scene. And it's a scene that could have actually been removed from the film and it would have flowed very naturally. Um, but it says a lot about the character of Ghost Dog um, and about his position in the world. Um, and so thematically, it was essential. Yeah. It's a great scene. All right. Um, I have our top six. Do you guys want to uh, need final thoughts, I should say? Uh, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I, I thought it was a great genre mashup. Um, I love the way that it compared uh, the codes of the Mafia and um, the samurai and how different they are. I like the way that Ghost Dog is always kind of meditating. He's completely focused 
whereas the mafia are kind of all over the place. They're watching dumb cartoons. You know, they're going from rooftop to rooftop, just blowing people away, hoping they're ghost dog. Um, but ultimately, they've got that one thing in common, which is that they belong to ancient cultures that are both kind of coming to an end. And so, yes, it's, um, you know, it's a samurai movie. It's a Western. It's a gangster movie. But it was also it's also a very uh, poignant, intelligent, uh, well-made film. Uh, yeah, to piggyback on his points, uh, I, for me personally, the philosophical aspects of the movie were the part of the movie that made me so grateful that I purchased it. Um, and uh, to kind of, I want I want to hone in on something that is kind of uh, superficial, but I, I just, for me, it, it just it just kept ringing true. Is that uh, samurai are profess- they're in the profession of arms, and yet the and they, I mean, there's a martial like aspect to the movie in the sense that there's guns and violence and and there's the pronunciation of war via carrier pigeon but in in reality the beauty of this movie is that ghost dog is he does not even though he's performing acts of murder there he moves with certitude but he doesn't move as a soldier he doesn't move with martial uh fitness or morale in in the way that he moves it's it's very like it's very je ne sais quoi, you know. There's, there's, it's, it's pleasing to the eye, but it's not exactly, uh, it's not exactly a, a soldier. He, he moves just like a regular guy, and he's, and the only thing that makes it really move, and I mean, really work, as he's killing people, as he's pivoting, as he's doing the things that he does in the live action sequences, is that there's just an absolute certainty in his, in his determination. And a relaxed kind of posture in the way that he does everything, almost like a zen, uh, almost you know, like a very like relaxed, big kind of like a bear, you know, that's just kind of just really zenned out and not really. I mean, he's focused, but he's not tense as he does it, and he just kind of walks with like his head high and his he kind of moves like his stomach first, and and that's the exact opposite of what you'll see in like. Uh, the new Jason Bourne movie, which you can see at uh, Attack on Movies on YouTube. Um, and uh, so, you know, I mean, it's the it's the complete opposite. And for me, like that makes Ghost Dog more accessible. Like, I believe that someone can literally like flip a switch and, in a way, and not be prim- not be insane, but just kind of lose their connection to the rat race that we call reality, and just go straight into living on a rooftop with a bunch of pigeons and be a- and focus on Bushido. I mean, and that that makes it that makes it that much more realistic because he's, you know, he's not perfect and he's not, you know, he's the anti. He, he doesn't have that maverick quality where he's always on top of everything. No, he's just he's just a guy that just he had a pivotal moment in his life, changed everything about his life, left the world as we know it, committed to this uh, this esoteric uh, philosophy from antiquity, and has. Uh, and that's really it. That's all. That's all that's laid bare on the tabernacle for you. Well, I covered early on. Um, you know my my overall feelings. Um, uh, you did bring up something that uh, Stephen and I had talked about earlier, which I think is interesting that you said it as well. But um, you know, Ghost Dog is invisible as he's walking down the street he, like a ghost. And um, I had mentioned that I, I see him as a he's a large force and he, he walks very slow. He's very deliberate where he's going, but it's very lumbering like a bear. Um, Stephen pointed out that that there are a lot of animal uh, references, you know, uh, the, to him, the Ghost Dog and the dog in the park. 
and of course the pigeons, bears. I I don't know. I th- I think that's a really neat uh, th- thematic thing that goes through this. But yeah, this will, this will always be one of my favorite movies. Uh, the urban samurai trying to fight against extinction. It's it's awesome. So I have a top six for us. I'm going to let you guys pick uh, who gets to go first because I'm going to alternate. So you're going to end up with three questions. I can't say they're going to be easy this time. Um, they're, they're usually pretty easy. So this could be just a complete fail on my part of not finding more accessible questions, but I can, I can only do what I can do. So, um, yeah, whoever speaks up first will get question one, and then uh, the you know whoever's next will get question two, and we'll go down through them, and we'll see who, in fact, is the top six winner. I think our guest should go first. I mean, come on. It gives me the ability to drink more, and it gives him the ability to prove that he's way smarter than me. Let's do this. All right. Okay. It's That's on. It's on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do my best. Awesome. It might not be good enough, but I'll try. So there is a pet store that Ghost Dog visits um, when he goes to pick up the bird feed. Do you remember the name of that pet store? Was it Birdland? Yeah, that is exactly right. Now, that was a reference to another movie that Forrest Whitaker was in. Do you know the name of that movie or anything about that movie? Okay, I'm. Is it? it's not Bird, is it? The it Kennedy's is. The uh, film. Yeah. Okay, I haven't seen it, I just know of it. Well, I'd say you got this one right. Um, Birdland was the name of the club that was named after Charlie Parker, who was Birdman. Oh, okay, I'm so, with you. Yeah, but you got it, you got it. Thanks. Good. And Lee, are you kicking yourself that you didn't go first? Not at all. Okay, good. I thought I heard you maybe go, oh, but yeah. Okay, so this one, I think, this one would have been easy for me, um, but I've got uh, a good 10 years on Lee and maybe a good 15 on Steven here. No, just four. So can you name two of the cartoon characters that show up in the TVs throughout the film? Uh, Betty Boop. That's one. And uh, give me a second here. Felix the Cat. That's correct. Can you yes. do a, can you do a third just to prove that you're awesome or something? Uh, Woody the Woodpecker. Yeah, you got it. Okay, you got three of them. Okay, so Stephen, would you have uh, done well with that one? I think so. I I think I would have begun with Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah, was, I, yeah, that's where I would have started. But and yeah. then you would have gotten Betty Boop. Okay, so that one was easy. You guys are both one to one. Okay. All right, Stephen. This is um this is not this is just kind of a lame question, but um I think it's an interesting factoid, and you're just going to end up having to guess unless you've read enough of the trivia that you already know this. How long into the movie is it before Ghost Dog finally speaks? Oh man, you know what? I I noticed that it took him a while to say anything, and I was going to look at the time because I thought it was an interesting piece of trivia, and I and I didn't. But I think it's it's going to be about uh thirty. Three minutes. That's a- I'm going to give it to you because it was 37. Okay. And if I think if you would have been, uh, you know, within you're within five, we're good. Yeah, that's a damn good guess, dude. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Really good. yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let me read this one ahead. Of time. This hold one on, is- hold on, hold on. I'm sweating yeah. like a whore in church right now. Let me. Reference. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right, buddy. I'm ready. All right. All right. Number four for Lee. This one's a this one's a really rough one. Maybe who knows? Uh, Jim Jarmusch releases his movies in many different countries. Um, this is something. What is something that like an aspect of his films that he doesn't allow distributors sending his films to other countries to change? And I'll get. It's not, I'm not talking about um, like cutting scenes and stuff like that. Like what would get cut? But there's an aspect to the title. 
Okay, that's a good guess, but no, it's wrong. Okay. It is that he does not allow any of his movies to be dubbed, which is absolute dear to my heart. I had yeah. I hate dubbed movies. I will not watch any, you know, I love Japanese films. I must watch them in original Japanese with subtitles. Otherwise, I'm just not happy. I can't stand to hear some American's voice talking over the top of, you know, Toshiro Mifune, um, you know, saying stupid crap that you know that they didn't say. Yeah. I can't understand that. All right, Stephen. This one could be hard. It just depends on whether you've done the research. It's not a intuitive question. What okay. does the word hagakure mean? I have no idea, okay. but I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. Um, no, I'm not gonna guess. I haven't. I have no clue whatsoever. <laughs> I, did, I didn't do the research. I'm sorry. It's a very I, unfair question. It was unfair. I'm at a major disadvantage here. <laughs> well, it's called, I, it's it's hidden by the leaves or hidden leaves, which okay. I guess was like the pages of the book uh, were the leaves, okay. and these were these hidden tidbits written by uh, Yamamoto. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever read any of the uh, Hagakura? No. Okay. I, I guess maybe I will now. Well. But, it's, what was your favorite passage? What was your favorite um, Hagakura passage from the movie? Uh, yeah, it's hard to pick one. I, I liked um, the passage. I, I'm not able to quote them directly, but uh, about, I think it might be the first one, about all the time accepting death. Yeah. I, that, you know, I was interested um, in what Lee was saying about how relaxed Ghost Dog seems. And that, I think that's because he's accepted death. It, it, there's nothing that can happen to him that's going to bother him, and so th- uh, that one. And also, um, I like the passage about. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but focusing on the small things, not worrying about the big things. Yeah. So you you, you deal with the little things, and the big things take care of themselves. And I like I like the way those passages could be applied to modern life with maybe just a slight tweak. Yeah, on that on that second one, I wanted to interject here. Um, he says that yeah, when things are great, don't don't let them overtake you. And the idea is that uh, I think it was Plato who said that uh, anticipation makes both our fears and our joys greater. Um, and then he says the other Lord says that you know don't let the little things get by you, and that it's a, like an ode to when things are going your way, don't be complacent. Yeah. Okay, well, I was going to let you pop in and just uh, your uh, favorite passage from the Hagakura. Or if you want to, you could either pick one from the whole thing or, or pick one from the movie. I don't know it verbatim, but there's one. It's towards the back of the Hagakura and where he says, um, you know, it's coming from the, from the words of an old samurai. And he says, know when to give your lord advice and know when not to give him advice. And I was like, that is fucking brilliant. Yep. And mine, um, from the movie, I'll say, I've always, I still think of it every time it rains, but it's the one about, you know, don't try to hide from the rain coming down. You, you know, you try to get under the eaves of houses or you try to sneak under a tree. You're still going to get soaked. Mm. If you resolve from the beginning, it's raining, I'm going to get wet. You still get wet and you don't have to struggle around like an idiot. Yeah. Ben Franklin said that, um, it's our inability to accept things that causes us our troubles. There you are. I always love that. I mean, anytime it rains and it starts coming down on me and I think I should go run under that, you know, porch. I'm like, no, let it go. Keep moving. I live in Portland, Oregon, where it rains a lot. So I guess I think of that passage all the time. I I grew up in Oregon as well. And my grandpa told me that if anybody calls you a Yankee, 
you tell them that you're a web footer from the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where are we? We did uh, number one uh, and two. You guys got those. Number three, you got that one at uh, 33 minutes. Um, the dubbed for foreign markets thing uh, was, it's a cool tidbit, but really hard trivia question. Uh, you missed the Hagakura, so that's five. So yeah. is this last question, if, if Lee gets it, and you won't, <laughs> you won't, Lee would, it would be a tie, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and what well, Ghost is not telling the audience is, is that I am horribly competitive. Oh, oh really? That's, yeah, it's true. I'm not really, so it's okay. See, that's, that just makes me that much more pissed. You know, oh, really? you, <laughs> might, you might tie on this, because I may modify the question a little, not to make it um, in your advantage, but to try to make it a little more fair. Okay. In, uh, I want to I jump in. So on GTA Five, we played this game, and the ranking system is totally nonsensical when you finish a mission. And everyone's, like, never given a fuck. And then when I, you play it with me... And I don't get platinum. I like. I've literally like busted a controller. I like get outraged. I'm like, what? I didn't get platinum after all the work I did. I just, I don't know. I, I, and I just at, inside. I'm killing myself that I didn't. I didn't think about the dub thing. But your, uh, your adrenal gland finally yeah, does go crazy. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's like must have more whiskey. All right, dude. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I'm gonna put myself on mute and drink while you're asking the question. Uh, uh, all right. This one's. It's an easy question. There's another cameo aside from um, Riza. There's a cameo from um, another Jarmish film, a film that we actually talked about earlier. Um, who was the character, and uh, what film was it? Give me a minute. I'm going to sit here and think about it. Yeah, you're Googling, aren't you? It, no, I, 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 by the <laughs> way, my hands are right almost near the, the mm. alien bud plug that is my mic. Okay. I, and let me put them on the beer. I'm just trying to think about, because, you know, like the RZA scene was like a scene that was really not really needed to be in there. So I'm trying to think of another scene that would have been a scene that like was kind of shoehorned in a little bit and would have somebody of note. Okay, I so can... I said I was going to modify it a little bit. I'm going to tell you the scene, and I'm going to change the question a little, um, and you have to get it right don't, straight don't out. Don't nerf it for me. Don't no, nerf. I, I don't think it. I'm nerfing it. I think I'm being okay. pretty fair here. Okay. Um, so the character was nobody who was the giant Samoan, I'm sorry, Indian guy on the roof. Cayuga, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cayuga, exactly. So your question, and I don't know, you'll, Stephen will have to tell me if I've made it too easy, is what were his exact words? Oh, no, it's too easy, isn't it? Yeah, go yeah. for it. Go for it. He's like, um, well, he's like, well, it depends on what statement you're asking for because they ask him. No, I want, I want the, I want the, the, the line. Okay, the the fucking white man. Why the fuck did you do that? Mm, you're close, but you didn't get it. Uh, well, oh, well. You I even, did love that. You I even do love, I, I do. I, oh, I'm Inuit. Or I'm Cayuga or something. Yeah, Cayuga. Like that. He's yeah. like, Cayuga, what is that? Is that like some yeah. sort of Indian? No, well, I, he, he says stupid fucking white man. And yeah. he says it, you know, twice. Yeah. But um, And he says it because that's exactly what he said in the movie Dead Man. Ah, so you know. clever. So it was even like the same character saying, played by the same actor saying the same line. You know what? You know what? I, you know what? My favorite part of that scene is, and I don't. And I'm. I'm just gonna let you know, dude. I'm not very politically correct. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, when he says, "You red nigger," and then he's like, he's like, he's like, "You fucking sitting red bullshit motherfucker," and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like cracking the fuck wow. up because because if you've ever met like any old Italians from that because. They're all they're all a Sioux Italiano, right? They're all like uh, Sicilian, so they have a certain way about them. And then they, you know, they come over to New York, and now everybody's name ends in a vowel, and they're all crusty dagos, you know. 
And uh, it's it's just like so funny if you actually know real Italians from like Brooklyn or excuse me, Brooklyn. You know, when they they're so funny and it, they really are like that. They like they're very they're very touchy feely and they're very like not they, they, their diction is very limited. You know, and and they, you know they're very plain spoken and and they don't read. You know, they they're like fuck that. You know, they're playing bocce ball and shit. You know, and it's just like it just it just it just reminded me of Tarantino so much at that point. They spend a lot of time watching cartoons in that movie. All, all the all the uh, mafia guys, they're always watching cartoons. which and, and then they cut to Ghost or kind of meditating and things and staring out over the city. Yeah. And they almost died getting up those stairs, which I thought was a brilliant yeah. beginning to the scene. Oh, yeah, that was brilliant. I mean, they were just about dead. He's like, oh, yeah. nothing loaded. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so sad. All right, well, Stephen, you won. Did I? There it is. I Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Begin luck. I shall call you Brexit. You can. <laughs> I, I'm not going to comment on that, though. No. No. All right. Well, that is it in summary. So thank you so much, Stephen, for, for joining uh, our podcast. This was a lot of fun to have you. I'd love to, you know, I always say it. I love Lee's perspective on stuff. And uh, we're starting to mix some other people in uh, to mix it up even further than we mix it up. To say mix it up 18 times. But, um, yeah, I really thought uh, your comments were very insightful and Lee, as always, it's awesome. Um, you can find me and Lee at cinemabushido.com. Um, last podcast, I made Lee spell out his whole Twitter name um, while we were drunk because I'm an asshole. But uh, today, I'm giving him the easy way out. Um, Stephen, where can uh, where can people find you? We mentioned in the beginning, um, Attack on Movies just about everywhere. Did you uh, want to add on to that? I wanted to say I really enjoyed listening to you spelling out your was it your Twitter address? Yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like a drinking game, you know, drunk and then saying all these consonants one after another. It was re- really funny. Um, no, it's attackonmovies.com, Attack on Movies, one word uh, reviews on Twitter. I think we're Attack on Movies underscore something like that. So it's a bit overkill, but that's that's how you can find us. We will find you. And I find would, I find would, me. I would, I would say thoroughly that if you haven't heard his reviews. Um, a review of his reviews, if you will, uh, impromptu is that uh, I'd like to thank the looker for this. Is that uh, it's very, it's very brilliantly put. Like he, like you, there's a gift that people have in the ability to say things and to say them without taking the scenic route, you know, in his dialogue. And there's a lot of work that goes into it, and they're just brilliantly done. And I've, I've watched uh, three or four of them now, and uh, my, I'm telling you right now. If you haven't seen Attack on Movies and you give any kind of shit about what I say, you need to go see go go see those reviews because I am subscribed. It's it's actually quite brilliant. He's he's a person of great talent, and I do hope that someday he gets to the kind of fame that uh, some other reviewers get to because he it's it's much deserved. I'm actually quite uh, quite uh, proud to be doing a podcast with him. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate that, and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed watching your or listen rather listening to your podcasts. Mm-hmm. I thought your Seven Samurai podcast was brilliant, irre- uh, irreverent. Sorry, I've had a few beers, um, and, and really, really intelligent. And I loved the way that you took on a movie that's you know a three-hour kind of stone-cold classic, and you dealt with it just like any other film. And I, I, I thought that was uh, really refreshing and interesting, and was a great forty minutes of my life. I would, I would listen to more of them. I thought it was great. But would you have sex while listening to it? That's the question. I'm, I'm, maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I'm more of a, more of a Marvin Gaye uh, man. Uh, I could try. I could try. 
That we can have some uh, RZA <laughs> in the background, kind of mixed it all together. But uh, yeah, I, d I, I don't know. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll let you know. 